Stardate 0317.2022. We are Star Trek Discovery Pod, a kind of smart, kind of funny podcast about new and classic Star Trek. I'm your elected captain, Mike Garcia. With me on the view screen is... Bray Gossett, for right now. Hopefully. Some more people yes. later. <laughs> yeah. Cl- Clyde will be here soon. He's uh, he's battling the board queen, uh, getting some tubules in his neck. And uh, once he disconnects, he'll be here very shortly. So this week we are streaming the pod live on the YouTubeules, uh, slingshotting around the sun, staring right into a temporal fissure to cover the third episode of Picard season two. But before we dive into Picard, first we're going to dive into the uh, a hyperfield made of feelings, I guess, and review <laughs> the season four finale of Star Trek Discovery titled Going Home. Um, Mariah, do those two things I told Clyde to do. Yeah, so there's a couple of ways you can interact with us live if you are joining us that way uh, in the chat. You can uh, type capital P, capital O, capital D, capital pod in the chat if you have something that you want us to see, a question, a thought. Um, And as we get uh, into a specific segment, you can type in capital HF for your hot take, aka your hot freak in the chat uh, once we get to that part of the show so we can check those out as well. You can also visit us at StarTrekPod.co to find links to all of the audio and video versions of this podcast. All right. uh, We're still waiting for Clyde, but let's go ahead and do this. Time to review Coming Home, the season four finale of Star Trek Discovery, written by Michelle Paradise, directed by Olatunde Osunsanmi. Let's go ahead and uh, do some hot freaks. Hot freaks! And if you're watching or listening to us for the first time, we don't do hot takes. We're a Star Trek podcast. We do hot motherfucking freaks. So if you are listening, drop your hot freaks about the uh, season four finale of Disco in the live chat. And we'll get to those as well. Um, But let me start. Can I start with my hot freak? Let's do it. Cool, cool. Because um, I have a feeling you're going to be more positive. So I want to slide into that. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Clyde's not in the waiting room, is he? I saw him in the chat. So I was... uh... Uh, I don't see him in a waiting room just right. yet. Yeah. Cool, cool. So he will be here shortly. All right. Um, I really enjoyed this episode. Um, after it started to get going, which was about 30 minutes in, uh, <laughs> backhand and coming, I know. I, I still have or had the same issues I've been having with Disco for weeks with this episode. The intentions of the show and the intentions of the story, what they're trying to do is good and wonderful. The ambition of what they're trying to do, like theme-wise, social commentary-wise, character-wise, is great and admirable and 100% Star Trek. Like, people's heads are in the right space um, behind this show. But it's just the execution for me. It's not bad, but it's not, like, super compelling. I don't find my heart in it. And I'm not sure if I'm just not like feeling these performances or what it is, but I'm admiring discovery a lot more these days for its admirable intentions and less for its actual like storytelling or entertainment value. Um, But that being said, it was like super cool to see Tilly's arc, like reach a great peak in this app. We started with her and, and at the end it was, it was just inspiring to see that. Um, and pretty much everything from the face-to-face encounter with Species 10C, like, towards the end, after that 30-minute mark, until the end of the episode, was pretty good. Like, it was really lovely, really inspiring. So there's something to be said for that. Like, that was good. Um, I left, I turned off the episode with a smile on my face once we got to the end, so... And I'm so damn happy Book is not dead because David uh, Ayala, uh, his <laughs> Ajala. charisma, Ajala, yeah, his charisma, like, it's just a gift to this show. He just, you know, they keep team, there's a reason they keep teaming him up with every character. It's just because the chemistry can, is insane. <laughs> he can vibe with anybody, you know, first it was like Stamets and Colburn and, you know, what's his, uh, Tarka. Tarka. So good. Yeah. And, uh, and here he's like super vibing with Reno and that was so fun. So yeah, um, 
mixed bag, but but mostly positive for me, uh, especially the uh, the second half of the episode. Yeah, you know, I think I overall I love this episode. There's definitely like laughs, crying. I thought like it delivered on a finale as far as like wrapping up the storyline in what felt like a pretty um, uh, successful way. Like I felt like that chapter was closed. I wasn't disappointed. I thought the creature design was great of the 10 C. There are um, a few things. I think I agree with you, Mike, as far as like some execution things, there's like a few things I would have, I think adjusted to help it just feel a little less clunky. Do you know what I mean? Like there's some things where that like, it felt a little whiplashy at points. Um, But I agree. I thought there was, I I, I just have to shout out like Sonequa Martin Green, when she watches books, like teleportation thing appear and then disappear and then realize what that means was just like, incredibly stunningly beautiful nuanced performance in that moment of like a captain who has to keep it together and is watching such a gut punch. Um, So to me, that was probably one of the highlights of the episode um, as well as jet Reno, always a highlight of the episode. I love that Tilly came back. I'm so glad we got to see um, our fun special guest star at the end, which also made me just like, so excited i'm a little sad i got spoiled on that appearance prior to Me watching too. the episode spoilers everywhere all day all well, over everyone the internet just sent it to me everyone texted yeah. it to me yeah. before even 10 a.m and i was just like y'all i have not watched it yet i have to watch it <laughs> lunch like <laughs> leave me alone um but yeah i thought there were some really compelling performances there's a few things i think would have helped the pacing of this episode feel more satisfactory mm-hmm. um but i almost found everything after the 10 c to be like a prologue to this season rather than yeah. like a traditional like final act um, totally yeah um but yeah i know it's 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 hard because i feel like this show is written in a in a five act structure like most traditional trek was um and and continues to be in that way and sometimes i think i'm just like i'm craving a more linear arc i like i find something really uh compelling about like a three-act bite to it instead of having this like whiplashy moment in there but um but yeah overall i thought it was a great finale i'm excited for the next season i love our cast so much i think they do incredible things and um yeah i'm in the they're all creature design hollows all the things it was fun it was a good time yeah and before clyde gets back and before we dive into the uh the listeners hot freaks uh i'll do this mariah uh you can join us at patreon.com slash star trek pod not only do we have bonus episodes on our patreon but we have an awesome community of positive star trek fans uh in our our slack group there's a number of channels in our slack group where we discuss all things trek all day dropping the memes dropping all kinds of stuff uh talking about the books talking about the shows the movies and uh one of the best things about our our private slack on the patreon is the daily or nightly watch alongs um we have you can watch Star Trek with a number of awesome fans all over the world um, uh, with these watch along or watch parties. Mm-hmm. I think um, everybody just watched Disco like right before the pod went live today. So that's yep. cool. Um, and uh, they're watching doing, Picard tomorrow. Watching Picard tomorrow, doing like an Enterprise rewatch as well. And then a random episode. So patreon.com slash Star Trek pod, just two bucks a podcast episode to to dive in there and meet so many cool people and just take part in the community and enjoy some Star Trek um, with some positive fans. Okay, so I want to see what the chat is saying about this episode. I have a feeling uh, people are going to be crying still. There was, there was some tissue box mentions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Chupi says, I am all emotional <laughs> after that finale. Um she also says, I did cry like three times. Yeah, I like... So many tears. The minute... <laughs> I agree, it's all of the tears. Like, the minute that book was, like, potentially gone, I said... And then they said, there's an orb on the way. I said, books in the orb was, like, what I said out loud. Because I was like, I don't think I don't think they'd get rid of him. But the thing that, like, 
honestly got me in the feels even more was when they had to say goodbye to each other for um, Book to go off and sort of serve his community service duty for right. for potentially causing a giant catastrophe. <laughs> he got up pretty easy, didn't he? Yeah. He got up start. pretty easy. But you're right about Sonequa's performance in that moment when um, when his his stream, they just lost his stream and they thought he was gone. That was amazing. A lot of times, uh, especially in the later seasons of Discovery, I feel, and it's not a criticism, I feel sometimes Sonequa uh, is a new Shatner. You know, she goes pretty big uh, a lot. But here in that moment, like it was, it was just a perfect balance of emotion and it read so genuine. And then when book popped back up with that scene with the 10 C, it was just almost as, as emotional. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that was great. And that's what I respond to. Um, Like (laughs) Marge in the chat says, Mike, don't you like emotion? Cause I was like complaining that I wasn't connecting to the show emotionally. Um, But Towards the end, I really did connect with it emotionally. And a lot of people seem to really love our our guest star, our new uh, president of Earth. Nicole says, when Stacey Abrams appeared, I wept like a happy baby. I think that was probably an important moment for a lot of people. What did you feel when that happened? Even though you knew it was coming and so did I. Yeah. I mean, but I, I, I loved it. It was also just like seeing that lineup of just like, I can't even imagine what it would be like to see um, like three incredibly talented and like black women in charge and running sh- like shit on this point, like as their characters. Right. Yep. But then also like, on the show itself and like how impactful that has to be um, for folks. I mean, I got emotional seeing like just a, like literally everyone in charge was women, which was just like, this is badass. Like I'm ready to, I'm ready for this planet earth. Like give me president Stacey Abrams. Like I'm, I'm here for it. Also just knowing like how impactful the show is for her, like as just like a fan, I was like, that has to be so much fun. And I loved like every minute of it. And apparently she did not want to be spoiled to what happened to the season because she wanted to watch it like a true fan does. And so they told her nothing of what happened. So she had to sort of like deliver the performance without knowing any spoilers of the season. That woman just does everything right. Just does everything right. Clyde. Welcome. It's Clyde. Clyde made it. Wow. All right. Give us your hot freak on the disco finale, Clyde. So life and I, you know, I didn't plan properly. So I assumed that, oh, this will be like a 48 minute episode. And so I started it like at the buzzer and was like, oh, dang, I'm gonna be like 10, 10 minutes late. <laughs> Super long episode. <laughs> and I was like, and, and I thought about it. I said, you know what? Maybe I'll just watch up until we start the pod and I just won't watch the last few minutes and come back and watch it after the pod. And it would have been a disgrace. If, well, <laughs> Here's the thing. I've if done you've been spoiled, one, I've done that one time before, and it was I think a season or two ago. And you all were talking about, did you see what happened at the last like five seconds? And I was like, damn it, no, I have no <laughs> idea what they're talking about. Um, and then so I was watching, and I was like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a watch. I'm gonna listen to the pod, and I'm gonna finish this episode. And the minute you start. Mariah, you started going, and I didn't want to spoil. I had to go hit mute and focus because <laughs> I was like, here it comes. There's something big going to happen. And I almost lost my mind when I saw Stacey Abrams pop out. I just I wanted to, like, pound my hand. And like, it was amazing. I did not expect that. Um, yeah. So I got to feel all that. Yeah, you're but lucky. I'm we not- both got spoiled on that. Mm-hmm. Hey, I mean, I, I had no idea. It's, it's been crazy. And then I so I agree with both of you. One. This was a great finale. Um, I just it it pulled in so many of the right places, and yeah, I teared up a couple times. And Mike, like you said, when when Sonequa Martin Green, when Burnham sees him in the transporter, kind of that that form come to life. Look, this wasn't rocket science. I think we all kind of sort of expected it, but she made me feel it, even though I'm like, I know it's happening. I still felt it. So kudos to her. I thought that was amazing. Um, 
And then for whatever reason, when I saw Tilly show back up on Discovery, that just got me. Like I was mm-hmm. like, man, it was like family and home. Um, this was an amazing episode. Now, if I have to nitpick, um, and I it's not just Discovery, I've seen this a few times in a few definitely sci-fi stuff. The world is ending. The countdown has started. You have 60 seconds and everything is going to collapse. And so when I ask you a question, you give me the full encyclopedia definition of what's happening and you explain it to me in full detail. That drives me nuts. (laughs) Like absolutely nuts. You're like, well, let me explain to you the physics behind what we're thinking in this plan. And we've got a couple options. And I'm like, let me throw in four or five (laughs) quips in there, too, to make it longer. I'm like, are you are you serious? Like that? Not the time. Not time. I will say, Uh, though, I did get excited when they they dropped the idea that it would take them decades to get back. I was like, Ooh, that little could Voyager be shot. a little Voyager, mm. a little Voyager. Yeah, but I was also like, oh, you're going to reset again. Like you're going to now you're going to be this, this ship that's stuck away decades away from Earth. Yeah. Oh, come on. I mean, yeah, the yeah, I think so. My biggest nitpick of this episode is when they're having their final like moment with the 10 C and explaining that they need them to turn the DMA off because you went from only being able to communicate in math form to then giant metaphorical speech prose like like straight up prose book book had a full-on speech well and here's the thing i would have bought it if book forehead did the thing and then he's saying it because to me he's then communicating with it on a different like level like the minute that president um tahana was like I'm going to like Vulcan mind meld with these creatures. I was like this, this is where like, I feel like we can get past this whole, like we have to communicate in math and we have this translator and, and Saru's using those fancy keyboards that you wrap your hands around that are supposed to be better for your wrists or whatever. And like, I just needed, yeah, I needed a, a jump of like, that's where I do need the explainer. I know y'all just complained about the explainers of like when it's the end yeah. of the world, but I felt like we we went from like math equations to to Shakespeare and like well, that, we didn't have anything in the middle. Well, Mariah, that would have been perfect if after everything they were having this like, you know, when they started pulling things away, if they started explaining or someone said, hey, how'd you guys figure this out? Like, there's a right. moment where it would have made sense. Yeah. It was just like in the middle of, you know, we've got 60 seconds before we do this. And I was just like, come on, man, you're killing me. That, that didn't bother me as much because the whole time I'm just like, God, I hope we can figure out a way to just communicate with these aliens. And I don't I don't care if I get an explanation or not. I just come on, just make this easier because it's a hard watch you know, trying to figure out the communications. Like we did that last week. That wasn't very compelling. So let's just talk to them, you know, but but it was like, like, like I live in North Austin, like people in South Austin, like kind of speak a different language and I don't understand what they're saying. So it's like, like book was talking like, like somehow they're picking up on even like colloquialisms and stuff. So whatever. Right. Hand wave. Yeah. And I mean, I, I can like, I can look past a lot of stuff because it's like sci-fi magic, whatever, future magic, all of that kind of stuff. But I felt like the answer was like there. You have people who have some sort of like telepathic ability on the ship. And especially as soon as Book comes back, I just was like, I don't even need Book to be saying it. I just want him to be. When he said, can I talk to them? I fully expected him to go like full empath mode. And that's how he was going to talk to them, not through the translator. And to me, I felt like that would have been like a way more, I don't know. It would have been a, rede- to- a redemptive moment as yes. well for Book. Yes, yeah. that he now has this ability to communicate them on like a much more nuanced level, right? Mm-hmm. Like if he was able to like to say all those things so that we're experiencing it in real time, but we're seeing that it's being communicated like via his his tel- uh telepathy or whatever right or his empathy telepathy <laughs> did did you guys want general was it doye did you want her to die no to sacrifice herself no i that that wasn't necessary i uh, i like where it ended up you know the yeah. trope the trope of like a character like that dying is 
whatever. Let's let's erase that trope. Let's get around it and let's like rehabilitate the character a little bit. And because she, I love that they pulled her back in to talk about um, defensive mm-hmm. strategy. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, she's an expert in this. We need her. I think we can trust her. Okay, great. Yeah, you know, I I have to agree because I think the easy thing in our culture today is to lean into this cancel culture, right? You make a mistake and now we banish you to your quarters for the duration of the fight, even though you, you have something that you can, that could be really valuable. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought it came up in in, in the perfect moment when we really all thought that Detmer was about to be gone. Um, and so almost like thought, no. oh well, Shakun was like absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so she she volunteered herself up, and then you know, and it wasn't at the cost of her life. I actually really like that. Um, and and it, I think it has changed her, uh, probably permanently, and and how she thinks about things. And so I I liked it. I I thought you know I liked this episode. I thought it was a good a good season finale. Yeah, I'm glad I, I I agree that I feel like the character arc was more complete by having her volunteer to do that. But I'm glad that they were able to actually like beam her out. And it wasn't like, oh, if you have a mistake, you have to sacrifice yourself completely, right? Like you mm-hmm. can learn from a mistake, you can come back to it. We'll have a whole other conversation about cancel culture, Clyde, because cancel culture doesn't actually exist for most people, specifically people in privileged positions. But <laughs> um yeah. 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 I, that, like, that, that, I think yeah. Rogan still got paid two hundred million dollars to have a I think, podcast. So <laughs> I, think you, I think you're just using a shorthand, yeah, right? Clyde? Yeah. Well no what I I think you're I completely agree. For people in power, I think culturally what has happened is it has become this thing that we do to people in our call out culture, right? Well, I think I think in our sphere we do it. Someone makes a mistake, and you're like, "All right, I'm not friends. Like, I'm I'm done with them." And so it's like it's this thing that we've adopted that doesn't actually really exist, but because we've adopted it, it kind of exists for the people around us. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, but I kind of sort of wish they had been able to save Tarka. Really, oh, I. I'm fully satisfied with his death because he chose it. Well, we don't know if he died, right? We don't know. Oh, he's definitely dead. Um, (laughs) My, my issue is I kind of feel like death was a little too easy. I felt like he died, but he didn't really, he didn't really face what he had done. Right. That was my only thing. He did pull up his like transporter thing. So they have left it slightly ambiguous. Right. right? Mm -hmm. But I, I feel like that character is is gone. And I do feel like he had opportunity to redeem himself mm-hmm. and never took it. And I think yep. he then was like, I, I I I don't know if he even wanted to be redeemed. I think he's like, I'm done being here. Yeah. Right that was away. it. That was it. Yeah. I'm I'm just I'm out. I think Marge has a, a good point here in the chat that I I, I just lost there it is uh talking about how do you pronounce the general Ndoye. 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 uh Ndoye is a satisfying complicated character but Ndoye could have been an excellent tarka like in the place of tarka having Ndoye be tarka that would have been interesting like in that role like more actively doing this because she does come from such a militaristic background if they would have given her the science knowledge that might have been a little more more interesting and more of a threat as well. What do you guys think about that? Like hmm. subbing Ndoya yeah. for Tarka. I mean, I think her character then would to me have more compelling motivation, right? Cause you have a whole planet at stake and all these things, but I would need to know what sort of like fully pushed her to not trust in diplomacy. Right. Like I think as someone who does like, if she's coming from a military background, like, you shouldn't want to have to have your soldiers go to war. You should hopefully be working to not have to do that. Right. And so I would hope that, I don't know, it it would complicate things. I don't think you could do like a a fully equivalent swap out. Right. Yeah. I I did love the fact that she confessed. Mm -hmm. Like it, it wasn't this cloak and dagger thing. She said, I did it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I actually love that. And I thought it it worked for the storyline, right? You she, didn't have a whole lot of time. She proved to be point. an interesting, honorable character in mm-hmm. the end, which mm-hmm. and, and a complicated one, which going forward, if we see her again, I'm going to be excited and interested to see what's up with her. So that's great. Yeah. yeah um, agreed. 
we got a few more hot freaks on this episode. Uh, Kern says the finale was visually stunning. I wish, though, the lead up to the finale had been better written. Yeah, I agree. Like the last few episodes kind of just felt like, you know, not a lot of momentum for me. I got another quick hot freak for you. We got to see uh, Vance's family. We've seen them once before. We? A similar yeah. shot of them just like walking through the a beginning of the together. season. Yeah, kind of like who? Squeeze like who? Okay, can you slow down just a second? Get a <laughs> get a get a portrait of you guys. Can you? Yeah, I really liked um, the Admiral and Tilly together as like a little scene partnership. Oh, the Galactic drinking buddies. Yeah, that was yeah. cool. I thought it was cool and and seeing everyone beam off. I could like you're like Tilly's sticking around. She's like I'm here until the bitter end because she. I think she also probably more so than anyone else knows that if you're if you're sending the crew of the Discovery out that they're going to deliver right. Like she's yeah. never not seen them deliver. Yeah. Um. So while it was definitely like a full sacrifice, she was probably like, okay, if I know anything about these people, <laughs> they're going to make something happen. Do you think she stays off the ship? Do we know anything about Mary Wiseman and her commitment to the role? I'm not sure. They, they're they still writing the next season, so I, I think it depends. I know she's currently doing a play, um, so I don't know if that's going to affect her her schedule yeah. moving forward. Um, but she did have an interesting point on the, the Ready Room interview that she did, kind of talking about um, seeing Tilly in her sort of like academy blacks like the the mm-hmm. um her, her different uniform she said it was like a nice way to see the character kind of have like an actual full change and while she knows like her family is everyone on discovery and we saw that in that sort of like reunion moment she's really been able to strike out and finally have her own sort of piece of the pie right that she can stake her claim on and she's the one teaching this next generation at the academy so um and they're really falling in line too. her students they yeah. were very heroic in this episode and it's like she's building a new family yeah and I, I i kind of like now that we are getting into you know like our fifth season of the show sometimes i enjoy if we can have like split plot points that aren't all just mm-hmm. on the ship it's nice to check back in with like the yep. home base and I think we have interesting characters at Starfleet Academy and at the Starfleet base. And so if Tilly's sort of um, within that grouping, that's exciting to me. You know, I obviously miss her being on the ship, but I think they've done a good job of trying to trying to work with this larger ensemble, I think, more creatively. And I think I have high hopes for next season. Yeah, well, if, I, if it means we're going to see more of more world building, mm-hmm. you know, with some... Tilly and her cadets over here and just go out in space. Like I'm all for it. I, I I definitely think that what we're seeing in this is to me, this is a flagship property that if handled just right, is going to spawn some other properties. Um, And we're already starting to see that a bit. And I wonder if we're going to, there's like 13 shows. Yes, but I'm well, saying they've with, already hinted at like an academy show or something, right? Like well, a and this academy is, show. And that's what I'm saying. I like I, I you can see that there's so much content where it's gonna feel a little bit like Marvel, where you've just got a number yep. of these things. I think what what feels different to me about when I see Tilly separate is that the minute that Pike showed up, we knew what was happening. This was the introduction of someone who was going to get a spinoff, right? And I I think that. You could almost say that with the reintroduction of Michelle Yeoh. Like, there are these things that we've like, oh, that's part of the plan. This feels a little bit more organic um, and and a, a bit of growth as we're getting these characters and you're going, wow, there's something there. Let's develop something that's, here. That's the mark of a satisfying long-term character arc. Mm-hmm. And that's what we got from Tilly, like, from season one till now. For sure. I was a little disappointed we didn't get any... Um, we didn't have gray kind of come back for, for any, right. even just like the montage yeah. scene at the end of like, that's true. Oh, good job. Uh, Adira, you saved, <laughs> you saved the galaxy again, you know, like <laughs> something along those lines. Um, uh, but oh, I, Ma- oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was like, I really liked the moment between Tilly and Adira though. And sort of that, like, Oh, you were my friend who sort of taught me how to, how to friend. Right. right. <laughs> and like, look at me go. <laughs> Uh, Marge reminds us of uh, one of my favorite bits of this episode, the the hollow cat door. That was funny. <laughs> that was funny. I, I really thought that when he was messing with Grudge's collar, 
I was thinking we're about to get the grudge reveal. And I was thinking, <laughs> oh. oh man, he's going to hit a homing button and grudge is going to turn into like a transformer or something. <laughs> and it's going to be super weird. And I was like, something's going to happen. We're going to, we're going to finally figure out. It's like, nope, just a hollow a little, cat door, little kitty yeah. door. Uh, Nicole says, I really wanted to see them crawling through the cat door. Yeah. How'd they get out of there? Like, that would have been great. Um, yeah, that would have been funny. I, I enjoyed um, Jet Reno uh, interacting with Book a lot. I think, like you said earlier, Mike, like uh, David Ajala just has chem. I think David Ajala would have chemistry with paint drying on the wall. Like mm-hmm. I, I would be totally fine watching that. Um, and so the two of them together were really fun to watch. And then I thought it was such a nice little more emotional scene from Jet Reno, not just like a, a bit of a, a, yep. a joking manner when when she tells um burnham you know like that man loves you and and says do whatever it takes so i thought that was like there was a nice little emotional arc for for jet's character this season even though it wasn't like a huge one i felt like it was very satisfying there really was and her you know continuing on the point of if you lose your loved ones you have to let them go if you want to move on in this world and tark is like we can go to this alternate reality your family's there it's like no it's not them and it's it not going to be the same funny to back think about it though because technically we already talked a little bit about this when we brought Hugh back right like is mm. this Hugh truly the original Hugh he's a he's a mushroom boy yeah, I don't it's know. Made of it just it made me want to go back and rewatch some of that um whole sequence to like yeah. kind of remember where we got to with that. I, I do remember they they did a good job of selling it as this is a new construct of Hugh. Like he's yeah. if it's he is a different person with all of Hugh's memories. Yes. You know? Yeah. So it's it's kind of like a new person. Mm-hmm. So that, that works for me. I don't care. Whatever keeps him on the ship. I love it. Yeah, him. no, 100%. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was just like, oh, this is interesting that we're we're kind of talking about that again. John Parker brings up a good episode. Um, well, first, he's like, so what's the arc for next season? It's great coming back. And now we have zero ships with a working spore drive after having two at the start of, of the season. So, yeah, the spore drive blew up. That was kind of a cool moment. Like, mm-hmm. we actually lost the spore drive. That's what makes the Discovery special. But they did say that they can fix it, but they need it to be in space dock. Yeah. And that was going to be the thing is it was going to yeah. take them decades to get back. But now they're back. So it's we'll have one. So the beginning of season five, we'll at least have one. Yeah. Um, and we did I, get rid of Tarka, who built the other one. <laughs> so and, and that's the interesting thing is a, a lot of times with sci fi shows, the kind of the, the gag is there's this one thing that if you could just get more of this life gets easier for for you and and everybody associated with you but throughout all the all the seasons we're just going to not let you have this one thing you need right there's some power source or something that you need that you can't have and i assume that that is going to be the spore drive we will always really only have one spore drive as we begin in, in these these seasons. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing was that, that makes it unique, right. Is the only people who can pilot it at this point is still Stamets and book. And especially now that book's whole planet was destroyed and there's way less of, um, Quajonians. Yeah. Of people from Quajon. He, uh, you know, that's a much more limited supply of people who can pilot. Although if I was someone who was from Quajon, I would be like joining Starfleet and asking for, I don't know what the equivalent of money is at this point in, in that universe to be like, Hey, I'm the only kind of people who can pilot this. Yeah. That's that. <laughs> you, you, need more, you, yeah, you need me more than I need you. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> let's just keep that in the forefront of your mind as we go forward. Yeah. What yeah. would be the currency in Starfleet now or in the Federation? I know it's always been like, knowledge and reputation right but yeah i, mean, I guess like, they I, did use I want that some double si- <laughs> I, i'd want that double size uh like quarters you yeah. know maybe w- with that like, wood paneling like bookship had mm-hmm. yeah yeah i'll take that mm-hmm. yeah and mm-hmm. I, I want all the cushy like the best shifts right don't have me you know I don't, i'm not working you know you're not gonna be a lower deck Mm-mm, no mm-hmm. i'm not saying that okay i don't want even i don't even want to see boimler 
I don't want to see that. No. <laughs> We've got a whole other uh, episode of Star Trek to talk about. You want to move into Picard? No. Um, well, before we move into Picard. Did. Okay, good. Um, before we Go move ahead, into Picard, I wanted to see if anyone has any fun theories or thoughts of what you would want to see in season five. Oh, man. Uh, what about you, Clyde? Someone put in the chat earlier, and I thought it was a great idea. They said in season five, uh, Zora gets a corporeal body. Um, I, yeah, Mark said it at seven seven twenty seven Pacific time. Uh, I, I think that could be really interesting. I think what happens with Zora, what we do with Zora, um, I could see that being much more of kind of a, a storyline. Uh, we still haven't seen the Klingons in a minute. So I'm expecting that maybe a bit of a return of, of the Klingons. Um, yeah, and I think we'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I feel like in every season we get a little bit of a relationship development. Oh, guys, we didn't even talk about Saru and President. Yeah. You mean Mr. Pimpin? They held hands, y'all. That is a big, big move for both of those characters. <laughs> it's like I mean, third base for a Vulcan. So that's good. By the time we get to season five opening, there's going to be a half Kelpie and half Vulcan baby. Oh, imagine um, a little Kelpie and baby with pointy ears. Oh, bring it. Uh, no, I think so. I, I, it'll be interesting to see what um, what relationship the, the the writers choose to focus on for season five. I'm, I'm curious. I want to. I just want to see more of these wonderful alien designs. The show keeps bringing us, uh, whether it be old or species we've seen before or new species. Just the practical designs are amazing. So that means more Klingons, more Ferengi, more Tellarites, more um, Andorians, whatever. Bring it. That's what I, I want to see more of a cosmic vibe going on. Yeah. I um I have high hopes for some more exploration, potentially uh, discovery going out on some kind of longer mission at some point. Perhaps the the ability to build out more spore drives is a uh, motivating factor to go out and find more people who can pilot them or some other ways to pilot them. Um, because they now have, I mean, they can't stop talking about the AR wall, right? And how it's like changed the game for what they can shoot. They don't have to think about budget constraints as much. And so to me, as a fan, that means I want to see you on way more alien worlds. Because even the 10C planet we got was like really cool to see. So, um, so yeah, I'm hoping just more alien planets. Because they sort of left it in that space at the end where um, Burnham and, and President abrams they didn't actually give her a name so (laughs) it's just the president but um i'm gonna call her president abrams president abrams uh but president abrams you know they were talking about now that earth is back in that um there's so much more to explore right like even just going out and seeing the 10c reminded burnham that there's so much more that needs to happen and so much more first contact that needs to happen so i'm hoping Mm -hmm. that's the the planted seed of ideals Mm -hmm. for the next season and Glenn Paris noted, um, and Mike, I'm curious if you caught this. Mm. Did you hear them refer to the ship, the Nog? Yeah, they, they've done that before. Uh, yeah. We've we've gotten a reference to the Nog before. The first time they said, "Oh, there's the Nog, the Eisenberg class ship," which is mm-hmm. a nod, obviously, to Aaron Eisenberg, who played Nog on DS9. So yeah, oh, they yeah. also had more the- DS9 love. Yeah. They also had the Mitchell for Kenneth Mitchell. Um, and yeah, that's then, right. Um, there was also a uh, Yelkin yep, that was mentioned yep. Yep. Uh, oh. in the in the great exodus off of, off of Earth. So I thought it was nice. We got to kind of hear some. That, some... That's such a cool way to, to honor these people, just naming ships yeah. after them in this wonderful universe. All right, Picard. Oof. Hot Freaks on Picard, episode three, uh, Assimilation, season two, episode three. Uh, Mariah, you're the Picard haters. You go first. <laughs> this was so far my least favorite episode out of the three. Hey, hey, hey. Um, on brand. Um, on brand. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it might have been a bit of a, a coming off of, I just really enjoyed Discovery so much and like the emotional, um, the way that we got to linger on some emotion in that made me feel like everything felt so rushed in this other episode. Like we just are just going to 
have Rafi have one wailing moment and one anger outburst about losing um, Elnor. And like, it just felt, I don't know. I had a hard time keeping up with some of the, the world rules in, in this one, which I kind of understood because we were in like the evil version of things. And so I let some of it go. I still don't a hundred percent understand why we had to plug into the Borg to fix the ship when the Borg didn't have all of the ships. Compo- anyway, there was just cool. a lot of, there's a lot of logic things that I had trouble getting over. Um, but I loved the stuff that was happening on, um, in Los Angeles. Like I liked seeing our sort of core three going out and trying to start um, getting into some trouble. I found a lot of that to be very charming. I really love seven and Rafi together. I think that they have great uh, scene chemistry. Um, and yeah, so it, it just feels, and I saw something in a, in a review today that one of the writers has said that Picard is best when binged. And so I'm like, but if that's what's going to make this show the best, then why didn't you release it that way? Because to me, <laughs> I, I can see that because we got the screeners of the first three and I just binge right through them and I was really happy. So, yeah. uh, Clyde, what do you think? Hot Freak, Picard, season two, episode three. So I, I got a few thoughts. So one, I, I want to first agree with where, what Mariah just said. Um, I think when I've tried to watch this, this show episode by episode, there's been some challenges and partly because of when it was released. And Mariah, to your point, the fact that I'm getting Discovery and Picard at the same time is making it difficult um, because it, it's like one is one is taking me to a place that is culminating at the end of a season. And so I'm really invested in where are we going and how are we going to resolve this? And one is starting. And as we know, like the start of a season, especially a reboot, um, is there's you're there's a lot to get into so i think that has been tricky i i think for me i really wish they would have released this next week mm-hmm. um after discovery concluded i think that might have been a better experience um and then mike to your point we did get the screener so i had a chance to watch the first three all at once and that was a better experience for me like i can see binging this and going okay because when I went back and had to watch them one by one, it was a bit of like, okay, like so when I look at this episode just as this episode, I'm kind of going, okay, so this is Casino Royale. This is every Star Trek series that does a, hey, we landed on Earth in the past. And a this is the whole premise of, what was it, the Star Trek movie with the... The, the whales, the, not the whales. No, no I'm, I'm not even talking about that one. I'm talking about the first one contact. where first contact, yeah. like this is basically like the whole premise of that. And I'm just going, okay, I've kind of sort of seen this before and don't get me wrong. Reyes is incredibly charming and you've got the kid and the doctor and you're, you know, you've got ice and a whole, th- that's a fascinating storyline for me. Um, it's just I was kind of like, all right, well, what what are we? What am I doing if I'm just focused on this episode, right? You've started me in a place and you drop me off in a place where I'm kind of like, just get me to the next episode. That's my that's my biggest kind of it, criticism. It, yeah, it felt like this is half of an episode in a weird way. Like yes. I I didn't you know like. I mean, that's what's hard, right? Is like, to me, a, a whole season has to have a beginning, middle and an end, right? And a lot of times in the middle, you can you can kind of have a bit of a dip, but each episode should also have a beginning, middle and an end. And this did not feel like it was just a whole lot of beginning. There is not a whole lot of middle and end. Like we were just like, yeah, it was moving us into a new and the it was largely set like that. <laughs> it was largely very much structurally like, okay, we're parked. Now yeah. what do we do? Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, I haven't gone for my hot freak. You guys have a very like clear-eyed um, perception of this show so far. I think uh, not me. I love it. This is some Star Trek, y'all. This show is really bringing those super fun first contact meets voyage home vibes that I love, without sacrificing stuff like real dramatic stakes or really 
compelling character progression or really good acting. Like we got tons of good shit in this episode. Um, things start out with a, a deadly shootout against like some space Nazi bitches. Then we move to a damn entertaining space battle. Then the board queen takes over the ship in like a super dramatic fashion while like we're racing to slingshot around the sun and travel back in time. And damn, that's how you spell fun for me. Like I was just gripped and the, the unsteady alliance with like the creepier than ever board queen is like super intriguing. Yeah. Like there's some like genuine horror movie shit going on here with the board queen. Like all the goofy shit on earth is just like, to me, it just felt like just pitch perfect voyage home slash um, futures end from Voyager. Like just dramedy goodness. Like I'm, I'm here for it. Please somebody, liquefy this show inject it into my jugular with some Borg tubules because it is my happy sauce and I'm loving it R.I.P. Elnor P.S. was never really a fan Aww. really I I, 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 I sh- I'm not happy with the no El- Elnor because I felt like y- you need some some brawn right and now you, you don't have it I also feel like we're going to miss European he- 7 bro so. Yeah, they're they're definitely my brawn is Rafi and yeah. Seven more than anything. But I felt like Elnor brought a, a bit more humor that I enjoy. I love a good fish out of water, like mm-hmm. sensibility. And Elnor is the ultimate fish out of water. I, I really think, and it feels like the show has done itself a service. Um, they left, feels like they're weeding out the not so strong actors and giving us the because the performers who are left at the core of this show each and every one of them has their own specific charms like they're all kind of stars and it just works well i don't the people we left out not so much to that point mike i think the two things that are jumping out at me is one allison peel is has been nothing short of amazing hell yeah um but also the show carries the name Picard, right? But, but really, who so far I, has been the least important character of this entire that's series. What I'm saying, like, this has been much more and of an ensemble. And I, I, think I did notice he did a lot of sitting down in this episode, a mm-hmm. lot of sitting down for uh, old John Luke. Well, and whereas if you think about season one, he's in every scene, right? And for the most part, he's either in every scene or they're doing something that's regar- regarding something that he he's doing. And now you're seeing people pair up or, you know, try and pair up. You've got, you know, you've got Rafi and Seven. You've got Rios trying to get with them, but they're separate. And we're watching these storylines unfold. And it's it's really almost ready to be labeled Star Trek something else than Picard. um, Because you could really pull him out of the show and the show would continue to go on. But the yeah. show is I mean, still largely about Picard. Like there is something the in his, right? There's mm-hmm. something in his past that is uh, instigated this whole thing. We saw Q for a moment pop up to remind us this is all about you, Jean Luc, and this is all about your fear. And uh, and also, even though like I just joked that Picard just did a lot of sitting around in this episode, I I still found his determination to get this shit done and fixed inspiring like the Picard of old. We didn't get a lot of that in Picard season one. So that was a good thing for me. What do you think Clyde? Are you liking this Picard better than Picard season one? Cause this seems like the guy who's like, let's get shit done. I mean, y- yes. I, well, y- yes, I am liking it better. I mean, y- I think was it Rafi who called him out and said, basically, this is your fault. We yeah. are here. Elnor's dead because you keep pissing around with Q. I agree a hundred percent. And I also feel like at any moment he has the ability to yell Q, you win. And he hasn't. Not necessarily. Q so? gave him a choice in the, in, in the last episode. It was mm-hmm. either you live out as the alternative version of yourself or you deal with this shit. So he wasn't going to live out as the evil general Picard. Um, but I want to say this was directed by Leah Thompson. Uh, who, I, I, I saw that and I was like, did a sweet whoa. job. I, I kind of want 
all my sci-fi TV now directed by Leah Thompson and Bryce Dallas Howard because they're just killing it. Bryce Dallas doing the best episodes of Boba Fett and Mando and uh, Leah Thompson doing this great episode of Picard. I think she directs some more coming up too. You know, yeah, I, I think, think she did the last two episodes, right? Yep. You know, it's it's fascinating because you 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 think about somebody like Leah Thompson and you go, really? Like that? This is a sci-fi person? But when you really think about it, you go back. Well, she's somewhat of a pioneer in the sci-fi genre. I was like, uh, Back like, to the Future. I, I know. Just, <laughs> here's the thing: she's done a lot more than Back to the Future. She- and even in Back to the Future, it was more of a comedic role than like yeah. sci-fi. Yeah. But but I think you, I mean, Back to the Future gets a bad rap, I feel like, a lot of times in terms of just in movie lore. But so much of our understanding of time travel um, can be traced back to Back to the Future. It is almost, it's the, the quintessential, you're not supposed to meet your alternate self when you travel back in time. Right. Like there's this the rules that most of us think about when we think about time travel from a sci-fi standpoint probably resonate somehow with Back to the Future. Um, you know, and everyone who's thought like anytime you hear a joke about um something as simple as uh going back in time but re- trying to remember who won sports trivia or, or things <laughs> like that, that's always kind of a reference to Back to the Future. And so I think. You know, it makes sense that Leah Thompson would do this. And I think she did a hell of a job. Yeah, she did good. I also want to mention, I think since we're in 2024, we're in the timeline of the DS9 two-parter past tense. And uh, a lot of that show was just about income disparity and uh, the government sliding into totalitarianism. And we definitely get... um, scenes and references to that happening in this episode mm-hmm. um especially when la migra shows up at the end to arrest rios yeah um i, I really did... like the doctor character i like i think he and she and rios have a good vibe i want to mm-hmm. see more of her yeah yes. I, I i really enjoyed the line when rafi was or rafi and seven are just like oh it's surprising it took them this long to fall into total collapse and i was like it's happening it's mm-hmm. it's, it's very much happening i see it <laughs> I was like, y'all don't have to tell us we see it. <laughs> what well, how are you guys feeling about this Borg Queen, man? I think I there, like I said, some okay, what when, when the ship went nuts and the Borg Queen is crawling on the ground, the Borg Queen torso yeah. towards Dorati. That was some really dark, suspenseful horror shit. And even when you realize she's not gonna hurt Dorati, it's still creepy because she has this knowing uh subversive grin on her face the entire time where you know she's up to something but you also feel like she knows a lot more than she's letting on and it's really working for me so annie Worshing, good job yeah i i've been enjoying the boy the borg queen performance and and i i love when we can get some horror thrown into to any kind of sci-fi stuff you know i i think it's obviously been successful for many franchises you know alien aliens all of those i think are great combinations of of sci-fi and horror um and so i i hope we get to lean into it because they keep talking about how picard is this this is their true star trek drama right like this is their dark adult drama show so i'm like let's let's do it up y'all give it to me (laughs) but it's also a goofy fun time like it's it's a lot of stuff man it's that like I don't know. They're marketing as a as marketing it as a prestige show, and like mm-hmm. I said last week, there's lots of like dark ideas and themes going on, but the vibe of the show is just fun. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm I'm I could keep a little bit of the horror out of my sci-fi. I'm okay with that. Um, but this is an interesting twist, right? Uh, I think we really do benefit from having a big bad week to week and Q is not going to be the big bad week from week. Um, He's the overarching plot device in in this season. And now we've got this Borg queen who is largely separated from the hive, who isn't quite as all powerful as the Borg usually is. It's an interesting way to bring in the Borg that still has this gravitas, this power, this threatening and this fear without having a villain so unbeatable 
that you're just like, okay, we'll throw everything at it until you, you, you defeat it let, and wake me up when you do. Like, it's actually a really interesting device. Yep. Cause I mean, I, I think that every time we had one of those episodes and T and TNG, it was kind of like, all right, well, this is going to be an episode where lots of people are going to die that we don't know of. Most of the people that we know aren't going to die, but they're going to throw all these resources at trying to def- defeat the Borg and eventually they'll get it right. Or in Voyager, it's like, all right, it's going to be really, really hard, but ultimately they're going to do it because the Borg is so in- in- incredible. This is a different type of experience with the Borg. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's much more nuanced, personal, um, and personal. Great word, Mike. Great word. It's much more personal, personal. I, I want to mention real quick what John Parker is saying. How is the queen able to get tentacles to pull herself up, but not plug into the ship again? And people are like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. It kind of alludes to what you guys were saying earlier. Like there's lots of, uh, logic holes <laughs> happening in the yeah. show, but for every people logical or example of a logical there is something wonderful like Gerardi saying computer pull up the file shit i stole from the board queen <laughs> like, that just makes this so f- entertaining and fun so I'm yeah i mean and i think i noticed towards the end when they have her strung up she's got like like her wrists are seemingly in some sort of like thing to hold her back but to me it's like I don't know. I'm having a hard time because like what you said, Clyde, it's like typically the Borg, it's like if you have a Borg on your ship, you are fucked in no, like no other sense of the word, right? Like if they are plugged, but why does that matter? She can plug in three shots and you're done, right? So you better make those three shots before they recalculate the shield count. Right. Yes. And if you and, and if well, and they, after those, you just better run. They, they, did, they did establish in this episode that they were able to set up a firewall between her and the major like sections of the ship, and they can actually turn her off. Then I needed that much more explained because I <laughs> like it all. I feel like sometimes, unless you are like showing it to me, these like throwaway lines for things that feel so big, especially when it is something like the Borg, sometimes bothers me because I'm like. I need something. I need to see like you restraining her, take the plugs out. I don't know. So put yeah. her in a glass box. Yeah. Like, something to, to I, deal with this. Right. I am totally willing to admit that just the vibe of the show is helping me overlook all these logicals. So I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not very rational when it comes to Picard right now, because it is just surprising me with how fun it is. Um, and Glenn Paris is, uh, is, is speaking what we're all thinking. Uh, I can't believe how sexy the board queen is. Right? <laughs> right, guys? Right? Just me? Okay. It's, uh, it's, it's not my cup of tea, you know, but <laughs> I, I'm not here to yuck anybody's yum, you know, to each their yeah. own. Hey, there's a, a good question here from Carolyn K3. So Q says it is Picard's fear that was the problem. He does mention that again in this episode. Does that mean it was his fear of the Borg that led him to self-destruct and ripple destruction of all the Bo- the ship's and the Borg Queen. Like from the first episode? Does oh, that mean it yeah. was this fear of the Borg that led to the self-destruct and the ripple right. destruction of all the ships in the Borg Queen? Right. Um, I don't think that think incident it's, it's is, something deeper, right? Yeah. I don't I don't know. Or maybe it's something back to when he was Locutus. I feel like they keep bringing up Locutus a lot, and somehow that's gonna have to come back around in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know interesting come on mariah stay I'm with trying. us i'm with theorizing i was wor- i've been working so much this week y'all my theorizing brain is 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 shot um, i mean the thing is is like potentially if that borg ship coming through is in some way shape or form from a different timeline and somehow that just like the mm-hmm. but it wasn't his fear it was really seven who was like we have to not let the Borg on the ship. Picard was willing to talk. Right. And we do like, we do know eventually the Borg do join the Federation at some point because we see it in the future in lower decks. And that is, that could have been a kid doing cosplay. We don't know. I I mean, why would (laughs) you do cosplay at school? Um, (laughs) It's the future, man. Shit's crazy. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. There's, there's uh, so many possibilities. Feel like I need at least one more episode of mm. of Borg nonsensory coming out of the Queen for me to understand yeah. what's going on. Someone earlier in the chat and trying to find it. Uh, sorry if I don't find it, but they did mention that. Well, we got the Borg Queen in Gerardi's head, Gerardi in the Borg Queen's head. They're 
swapping minds, it seems like. It's my hand, your hand. Uh, there's a theory that the Borg Queen... Oh, aha, here it is. Kern. It's making me think even more that the Borg Queen in Episode 1 was Gerardi with the, the mask. That would be wild. Ooh. That would be wild. That would be wild. Mm-hmm. Um, Carolyn K3 says, is the Dr. Rios's ancestor? <laughs> oh, no. I hope That's not, because they, they seem to have a lot a of chemistry. Romantic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of romantic chemistry there. I mean, here's the interesting thing about that. Dr. Leah Thompson, Thompson. Well, Leah Thompson directed this episode. Right. And in Back to the Future... The whole she thing. had a lot of chemistry with her, her, and her son, her son right? <laughs> so <laughs> nice connection, nice connection. Which, which back in 1987 or whenever it came out was a lot easier to swallow than it was than it would be today. Um, I just think it, I think that would be an interesting way of like this: will they? Won't they? They can't. Because mm-hmm. he's an, he's an ans- he's, uh, she's his ancestor. Hey, man, be your own great grandfather. It's all good. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's thing. so far in the past. Yeah. Like, there'd be like, how much ancestry is there left? Not that I'm trying to justify this plot no, line, but please. it's like, it's I don't want it. I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um, watching Rios eat the peanut butter and be like, real peanut butter made me order a, a peanut butter smoothie. So <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> Um, okay, uh, before we go, one last thing. Do you guys have any theories uh, who the Watcher is? And if your theory is Guinan, then okay. But I've seen a lot of Guinan yeah. online. People are like, what if Guinan is actually Whoopi on The View? And it's like The View is happening and they see her on screen. And I was like, that's not going to happen. But like, <laughs> nice try. If they were maybe the same, if this was an NBC sci-fi movie, 100%, 100%. They love it. Sci-fi channel that. movie? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Sharknado, full <laughs> of, of cameos of that caliber. <laughs> but I don't think that's going to happen here. Um, and then Whoopi would look at the camera and say, you in danger, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like not, if... Not if, for nothing. I got to say, you know, we, we, we talk about that. I was, uh, I was somewhere. I was at my mother's house. And, you know, you walk to a room, you turn on the TV, you, you, you turn it on. Ghost was on. And <laughs> I was like, Whoopi. And I will admit, I got sucked into it for a little bit. They were it's doing an a excellent whole, movie. They were doing a whole Patrick Swayze, like, marathon. Oh, and Perfect. You know, w- watch some Roadhouse, too. It was great. Oh, did they play Tu Wong Fu? That's- I, I don't know. At, at, by the, you way. know, you do some Ghost and some Roadhouse. It's time to go to sleep. Like, yeah. It's, it's yeah. enough. I, it's I don't know what came after that. Um, I've seen some people talking about Soji. I do think that is a potential that it's either an ancestor or some version of Soji. Yeah. I like Guinan. I hadn't thought about that. I'm late to to that party, but I like the idea of Guinan because I want Guinan to be back because to be honest with you, this Whoopi Goldberg is going to be in Picard season two and that nonsensical bar scene uh, you better give me some more of that, or that. As yeah. far as I'm concerned, that doesn't count. Or I wonder if it's it, going to be the guy who uh, like was, watch, was watching the gate for Michelle Yeoh. The guy who was watching the gate. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. that would that would be interesting. That would be a good crossover. It'd be a good crossover. So, be interesting. Yeah. Or. Mm. Um, hmm. I've I would love seen... to see the Cisco. I would, I would, there's some DS9 vibes going on in this show. Not only are we in um, in the timeline where that great DS9 episode took place, but we also had uh, mentions of Gold Dukat and General Martok, who are big mm-hmm. DS9 characters. We know the Reckoning tablet from DS9 is coming. We got a call out to Cisco. I don't know. I mean, what if they're surprising us and we get Avery Brooks back? That'd be wild. that would be quite the secret that they have kept under lock and key. That'd be wild. Yeah, that seems like a hard one to not. Mm-hmm. I mean, for us not to find out about. You can do a lot of this stuff on a lot, you know. Um, I think the Kako's got it. Yeah. Loris, she is shown with weird white eyes in the trailer. I didn't see that. Yeah, interesting. The, we're told Laris is not around, but maybe it is Laris. Yeah. Uh, Picard and Laris all the way for me. I, I think we're going to see some Picard and Laris, but I don't know that I think she's the watcher. 
yeah. don't think that. See, Pud's thirty-eight is where I'm at. What if it's the watch? The watcher is Cisco, in his ascended form. And yeah, he's a prophet now, so that'd be cool. I'm like going to Avery Brooks IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> what was I he was working on? <laughs> I mean, there's nothing there since 2006. So <laughs> <laughs> the man is the man is a university professor. He's busy. All right. Um, all right. I mean, I if think... Stacey Abrams can show yeah. up for yeah. a Trek episode, for you sure, know. for sure. Okay. Anyway. I think that's all we got, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back next week to talk about more Picard. Also, um, we got a new James Kirk, and I think that's cool coming for um, for uh, Strange New World. So maybe we'll talk about that next time, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mariah, exciting. tell people things. Yes. So you can visit us at StarTrekPod.co where you can subscribe to all of the audio and video versions of this podcast. You can also find links to our Patreon there. Um, we just released uh, some Patreon uh, exclusive episodes talking about comic books. Uh, so if you want to talk about some of the Star Trek comic books, you can visit us uh, on our Patreon site and get involved with that. And yeah, if you subscribe on YouTube, make sure you hit that notification bell. So you also know when we go live on Thursday nights, Clyde, how else can people talk to us on the internet? Well, you can always hang out with us at Star Trek pod on Twitter and on Insta. So thank you, Karen. Um, and yeah, come, come hang out with us. Do it. What you got Everywhere. there, Mike? Uh, it's a mini scare glow from Masters of the Universe. Oh, fun. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it glows in the dark. Scare Ooh, glow. Fancy. Uh, all right. Uh, what else? We already did all the things. All right. We did. Live long and prosper. Bye.